Hello, all you outstanding oak trees out there. Welcome to another episode of A Little Greener, a podcast all about conservation, nature, and sustainability. I am one of your hosts, Casey, and I'm joined by Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Welcome back. Yay, we're back. We're it back. does. It feels like it's been forever once again. Yeah, a long time. I I don't know. I was like, how does this work again? But yeah. No, here we're here. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, like it was like you were having computer issues. I was having Zoom issues. It's like how, not the universe is conspiring against us, but we made it happen. Here we're dedicated. We <laughs> if if small obstacles were to stop us. We would not be here, <laughs> but we wanted to be because, um, because yeah, it's been a long time. I yeah. am You're feeling over, better. Yeah, I'm what I would consider like 95, 97% over COVID, but I'm, I'm sure other people who have had COVID have had the same thing where you're just kind of lingering tired for several weeks, like your body's still sort of pushing through whatever the lingering elements of COVID are. So, um, so yeah, I don't think that I'm operating at a hundred percent, but I'm happy to be here and definitely able to do things. So that's good. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to be here as well. I, I have lingering tired just from being abnormally busy over the past few days, but you also uh, ran a marathon. So half, half, I, same difference. I couldn't do either. (laughs) I would not have been able to complete a full marathon uh, on Sunday, but yeah, I did. So it happened. It was fine. It was fun for part of the time. That's impressive in itself. And and here we are uh, happy to be back. And let's, let's just dive right in. Let's do it. Because I can't even remember what our previous challenges have been. (laughs) So let's talk about what we're going to talk about today, which is the foliage. We've referenced the the, the joke so many times. Thank you, Jim Gaffigan. If you have not watched his bit on fall, please do it. It will make you smile. But we are going to talk about that fall foliage and what makes it happen. So, Casey, you talk. I do remember you talked about this a little bit whenever the last time we recorded was because you road tripped it back to Indiana not too mm-hmm. long ago. And you talked about seeing some cool fall views on that trip. So just curious, are you have you ever a have you ever made a trip specifically to see the leaves change because that is a thing obviously we live in a place where leaves do change but some people still will go have a place that they will go to see the fall color have you ever done that uh b or two i don't remember what i started with (laughs) (laughs) do you have have you had a just a moment where you've happened upon a great fall view that you remember and if so where was it I don't think I've ever traveled anywhere specifically for the foliage because I've generally lived somewhere that has pretty good foliage. Um, And also October has traditionally been a really busy season for my family. So we don't normally take any trips during that. Um, This particular fall has been really lovely. Like it's been really warm and the color change has been like we didn't go straight to brown. We didn't Mm -hmm. go straight to dropping leaves. There's still trees with leaves on them, but it was also 70 degrees the other day, which is um, both much nicer than normal um, November weather, but also, you know, that slight sense of doom that you get when you're like, (laughs) should be 35 and raining right now. Um, But it genuinely has been so beautiful. And so driving 
through the Appalachian Mountains to Indiana, I was in passenger seat for part of the time. And I was just like ogling these mountains because it really was just that wonderful patchwork that a lot of people travel to New England for. And I felt like I just got it like as a bonus part of a trip we had to make anyway. So I have always liked fall leaves, but the I don't think I've ever seen them on mass the way I have for this trip. So yeah, that's very cool. See, it's why I love road trips. Yeah. I'm very similar. I grew up in the Midwest, so it's just something that you see. And I've not ever made a specific pilgrimage to see any kind of fall color. But we all know I do love the mountains. I love Mm -hmm. the Great Smoky Mountains. And I do love seeing that fall color there. So I've gone to the Smokies a couple of times in the fall. Not really hit it at peak fall color times but still it's just really pretty especially when you're up in the mountains and you can kind of see that color spread not only you're seeing it up close but you're just seeing that big wide vista of the patterns of color change yeah and on when I was driving through the mountains of different sides of the mountains mm-hmm. had different color points that they were at that was really interesting to me I felt like I could be more of a scientist about it at like that sort of scale yeah, and we can we'll talk, I think, a little bit at least on on why that is today. Um, also, though, it's not necessarily an exact thing either. But yeah, so I I do love seeing it in the mountains, and then in Indiana we have Brown County State Park as mm-hmm. well. Which, if you can't make it all the way to the mountains, that's a really nice place uh, to to go see some color there. And I think my mom sent me a photo that was from there when they had their first snowfall of the season and it was kind of cool the way that the wind had blown the snow kind of on one side of the road traveling through. So you see this fall color on one side and then it's white on the other side, which is really pretty. So I definitely have had some, some fun fall moments, but I think it's something that's easily taken for granted as well. You're just like, well, it's fall. This is literally why we call it fall. The leaves fall. (laughs) (laughs) So we don't, uh, you know, we might find these little moments to enjoy it, but we don't often think too much about what's actually going on. So we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. What's going on? Why do these leaves change color and fall off the trees? And a little bit more about what causes those colors as well. So stick around for that. All right, we're talking about fall or autumn, if you will, tonight. And Casey, you know, basically every time I do an episode, I feel like I have to sort of dial it back to the big picture to start out. So before we talk specifically about the leaves changing, I wanted to talk about the seasons changing. I don't remember. Do we learn about this in elementary school? What do you remember, Casey, about seasons and why we have seasons? Okay, so the earth spins on an axis and the axis is not straight up and down, cosmically speaking. Mm -hmm. We kind of have decided what's up or down, but it's like on an axis at like 23 degrees or something very specific. And that doesn't really like when we go around the sun, it stays at the same general angle and so that means that sometimes the axis is pointed at the top away from the sun and sometimes it is pointed towards the sun and if it's pointed towards the sun it's not that we're 
closer by like a crazy amount, but the angle that the sun's light enters the atmosphere is such that it is warmer. And then when we're tilted away, it is that the atmosphere is thicker and the angle is making it so we're not as warm and don't get as much light, right? Because we're we're yep. the daytime. It's, yeah, it has to do with like the amount of light per unit area, okay. which it, it's exactly what you were saying. And okay, cool. um, so, yes, very well done. That was more than I would have remembered. And I pretty much have to have a diagram in front of me to even sort of mentally grab Thinking about this again, it just makes me realize how little perspective I have on how big our planet is, on how big our solar system works, and how this little angle of axial tilt can make this much difference in the 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 weather and the temperatures that we're experiencing. It's crazy, but weather.gov has a good little diagram and explanation and even a little <clears throat> experiment that you can do with a flashlight and a piece of paper to help you sort of mentally understand the impact of the, the tilt on that sunlight. If you're so inclined, there will be a link to that in our show notes. Uh, but yes, yeah, so ba- basically, long story short, it's that axial tilt that causes our seasons. So when we're tilted uh, away from the sun, it's winter. When we're tilted towards the sun, it's summer. And then in between those, we're kind of at 90 degrees, that the angle is sort of at 90 degrees to the sun. And so that's where our our spring and our fall come in. And obviously it is opposite in the Northern Hemisphere for the Southern Hemisphere. So for those of you listening in the Southern Hemisphere right now, you're like, what are they talking about autumn for? (laughs) It is spring here. And like the further you are from the equator, yeah, the, the more, the greater the impact of the angle change. Yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. Yep. So that's why here in Florida, I don't really experience those seasons in the same way that I did in Indiana, which we'll also talk about a little bit later. So the reason that I wanted to start with that is that change in light and also therefore heat that we're getting from the sun has a critical role in why our leaves are changing color in the fall. So with that said, Casey, a quick reminder, why are our leaves green in the first place? Because they have chlorophyll right? They have like special cells that are, that make chlorophyll. Yes, they have chloroplasts. Chlorophyll is in the membrane of chloroplasts, which are the things in the cell that carry out photosynthesis. We've talked about this before. So these leaves are like the little powerhouses of the trees. They are carrying out that photosynthesis. So they are taking in carbon dioxide. They're using water and they're using energy from that sunlight and they are pumping out sugars for that plant to use and oxygen for us all to use. Thank you, leaves. So kind. Um, what I didn't know that is was interesting or I probably knew and forgot many, many years ago is that chlorophyll is not a stable compound and breaks down in the sunlight, which seems very counterintuitive. So yeah. the tree, huh. the leaves, the cells, whatever, 
are basically having to always synthesize more chlorophyll. Okay. And so it's kind of temporary and they just keep producing it. So that leaf, because correct. it's green, it's not going to just like stay green till correct dies. So this is, according to the USDA Forest Service, chlorophyll is not a very stable compound. Bright sunlight causes it to decompose. To maintain the amount of chlorophyll in their leaves, plants continuously synthesize it. The synthesis of chlorophyll in plants requires sunlight and warm temperatures. Therefore, during summer, chlorophyll is continuously broken down and regenerated in the leaves of trees in the summertime. So, and they're going to do that because it's like biologically worth it to them. Correct, to exactly. Producing new because ones. those the that's going to generate the energy for them right. to do it. Yep. So then, once we're we're continuing our journey around the sun, and that axial tilt starts taking its effect, and we're not getting the the length and the intensity of uh, the sunlight, that chlorophyll is still breaking down. But those plants are not going to expend the energy to regenerate it. So that chlorophyll that gives the leaves their green color is is being broken down and it's going away. And that reveals other pigments that have actually secretly been living hidden in that leaf the whole time year long and not getting their chance to shine. Uh, and so when that green color, when that that chlorophyll breaks down, these other pigments become visible. And that's really, that's what it is. That's what's giving us our fall color is the, the breakdown of the green pigment to allow these other, well, not to allow these other, but as a result, allowing these other pigments right. to shine through. One people are probably familiar with are uh, a group of pigments called carotenoids. This is what you would find in things like carrots giving them their color we talk about it when we talk about flamingos it's beta carotene which is a carotenoid that gives flamingos their color which they get from the food that they eat and that these carotenoids are going to give those uh, leaves those yellow and orange colors and i believe the the function of these these pigments these are also membrane bound pigments and they're kind of just like a supplement for chlorophyll, I think, okay. is my understanding that they are also just gathering some energy that also gets used for photosynthesis, but not to the degree that chlorophyll will. So that's what gives us those yellow and orange colors. And then another pigment that you might not be familiar with is one called anthocyanin hopefully pronouncing that right. But that's what's going to give the sort of red and more a purplish coloration that we see in the leaves. This is not a pigment that's bound to a membrane. So this is just in the cells and it develops as a result of kind of like excess sugars that might have built up from photosynthesis. Um, and it's uh, a reaction between sugar and the sun. So when you talk about seeing really brilliant colors in a given season, the weather that we have that fall can really impact the range and the intensity of the colors um, that we're seeing. So if the weather typically is is drier and sunnier, that sunlight and the reaction with the sugars, that's going to produce more of that uh, anthocyanins. 
and give you a little more brilliant color. So if we get a drier, uh, sunnier fall with weather that stays above freezing, you can see a little more of that kind of red color pop in the leaves too. And just the way that the leaves are facing too, I think would probably play a role in that based on the amount of sunlight they're getting, which is why you talk about going through the mountains and seeing like a cooler side of the mountain. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think that that could play a role in there too. So, so weather can certainly play a role. And then I also, the way that I was understanding it, and I don't know if you would have any more to say on this or not, Casey, from your garden center experience, but the amount of pigment in the leaves can also just vary by the type of tree. So some trees, some types of trees might be more likely to produce certain colors than others. Yeah. And that especially gets true when you go into your local nursery and start looking at trees. Um, because like, think about how we've bred a bajillion types of dogs because we like them in different sizes and colors and shapes. We do the same thing to plants. And so we have like specific types of native trees that then are bred to have different color leaves. So for example, I have um, a red bud in my front yard, which are just naturally beautiful trees. But the one that we have happens to be a Carolina sweetheart. And it's got like whites and, um, and pinks in the leaf naturally, and then would change potentially like it, it uh, ended up being orange this fall. So um, mm-hmm. it's interesting kind of what humans value and then end up breeding in there. And I think it's especially interesting because perhaps this is something that is just like dogs through selective breeding, not necessarily like I never knew about anthocyanins. And I wonder like the people breeding them are like, Hmm, let's see if we can test how much anthocyanins that this particular tree has to select it. Or if they're just like pretty breeding it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That is interesting. Cause I did, I didn't even honestly think about that in terms of plants that we are breeding when I was thinking about color. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think I about like, we have giant oak trees in my dad's front yard. And I would say like, I love oak trees, but they just are not particularly spectacular in the fall. They tend to just go brown really quickly versus like certain types of maples that just go like this brilliant mm-hmm. red versus a uh, birch that might be yellow. So yeah, yeah, lots of options out there. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, type of tree definitely makes a difference in addition to the weather. And that's why you can see those like forecasts for when peak fall color is going to be in certain areas. A lot of that is just dependent on what the weather has been like and is predicted to be like as well. So, so that's it. Episode done. That's why the leaves (laughs) turn color. No, I I would, I'll take it one step further than that. Again, if you've listened to that Jim Gaffigan joke, you know, he talks about we, this is something that people love and we get so excited about it, but the leaves are dying. It's the leaves hospice is what he says. Uh, And we're just smiling at him, Uh, which is true. It really is. That's what is happening. These leaves are going to change colors and they are going to turn brown and they're going to fall off and die. That's what they do. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about why this happens to some trees and then why it doesn't happen to all of them. So when we think about fall and the the leaves changing and all of that, we're thinking about deciduous trees. These are leaf-bearing trees. They are they they lose their leaves. Basically, it's like we talk about animals going into hibernation mm-hmm. for the trees. That's basically what's happening is these trees are are they've 
produced all of this energy throughout the warm, sunny months, and then they are basically going to shut it down and live on what they've got over the colder months. And those leaves kind of become a liability, basically, for them. So these leaves are no longer able to carry out photosynthesis. They're not generating any energy from the tree anymore. And they're losing water through the leaves. Trees will lose water um, through those leaves. Um, and they're us- they would be using energy if they were trying to keep the, the leaves alive. So it would, be, it would be a net loss for the tree. Some people will also mention how the leaves, um, losing the leaves helps keep the trees a little bit safer from winter storm winds as well. Winds can pass more easily through those branches without leaves um, and and reduce the risk of branches breaking off and all of that. So that's really why trees in, especially in these environments that get colder, are going to lose their leaves. It conserves energy. It keeps them safer um, over the winter. So basically, leaves will develop or in what's called an abscission layer uh, without going too deep into it, but it's a layer, a, a couple of layers of specialized cells that will develop kind of at the attachment of the leaf and the tree. And there's a lot of factors that can be involved in this, possibly just the change of light and temperature too. But one of the things that will change is the production of a hormone called auxin within the tree that normally is produced and stays very steady throughout the year, the production of that hormone is going to drop and that decrease in auxin triggers changes, one of which is the splitting of those cells along that abscission layer. It's the So the leaf basically gets separated from the tree. The passageways that are going to carry nutrients back and forth get kind of cut off there uh, and the leaves fall away and die. <laughs> they have that that one growing season. That's it, and then the tree will go dormant until the following spring. Yeah, when you have a tree at home, if you're like planted a new tree this year and you're worried about it because little baby trees look really sad and mm-hmm. vulnerable this time of year, um, remember that like a lot of the life in that tree is in its roots. And so as long as those roots are underground, and if you're really worried about it, you can like put up a little layer of mulch because it will help insulate it against the colder temperatures. The tree's doing what it's supposed to do. It's dropping its leaves. Yeah. Even um, even some evergreens, which I'm sure we'll talk about, do actually drop some of them. Um, so it's normal and it's good for the tree. And I remember seeing this like climate graph before where in the springtime, the level of carbon dioxide in like the Northern atmosphere will drop because the trees are like basically taking this like deep breath. They're, they're growing. Their up. Really? Mm-hmm. So when you see those, you know, when you see like those little climate graphs uh-huh. that are like, Oh, this is the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And you know how it's like super jaggedy yeah. always that's spring and fall. And so this time of year is when the leaves drop. It's like a exhale. And so that it's not uptaking the same amount of that carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. So that'll start again in the spring. I never thought about that, like registering on a graph. Yeah, no, it's like apparently fairly significant. Interesting. Well, look at all that. Thanks, Casey. And the <laughs> plant care tips thrown in there as well. It is true that especially younger trees do look, I mean, they, they look dead to yes. us, you know, to it's just we think of that green as being life and so they just look bare it does look a little sad I think I get a little whatever that seasonal seasonal affective disorder disorder, or whatever yeah yeah, going on um and I I think 
that all plays a part in it, you know, but just know that there is, there is, as you said, there's still life in those trees. It's just those leaves for the deciduous trees that have one growing season. And so new, new ones will grow back, but that tree is okay. Uh, and in fact, those leaves falling is actually a good thing for the environment as well. We've talked about that before on the podcast, that leaf litter, if you will, provides overwintering for a lot of different critters and the leaves decomposing returns nutrients back to the ground as well. So it's all part of the circle of life. Right. Also, don't clean up your leaves. I don't know if we're going to talk about it. Jumping ahead sorry, to the sorry, challenge. Sorry. All, no. right, all right. All right. <laughs> we'll talk about it more. <laughs> so talk about all of that with our, our deciduous trees, but there are, of course, evergreen trees as well. We know that there are some trees that do stay green year round. They don't lose their leaves or at least don't lose all of their leaves at once. That's really what's happening here. It's Mm. almost like if you come from more of the animal side, you can think about deciduous trees as almost being like a catastrophic molt. (laughs) Like uh, are the penguins that are going to lose all of their feathers at once. Whereas evergreen trees it's like we lose our hair we're gonna lose our hair a little bit at a time we're not losing all of our our whole head of hair at once and growing it all back um so our evergreen trees which we tend to think of our conifers say um our cone bearing trees that have those uh needle-like leaves are are the poster child for our evergreens but there are other types uh, of evergreens too which we'll we'll mention a couple of them but uh but with those conifers those needles are leaves we call mm-hmm. them needles but they are needle shaped leaves they're specialized leaves and that's part of why they stay on so those leaves have in unlike the deciduous trees the leaves of our evergreen trees they have multiple growing seasons so they don't have to drop all of those needles all at once some of them will fall off but they're they're going to stay on for, for multiple seasons but the shape of those leaves one of the things that it does is helps that them to hold on to water so where your broad flat leaf is going to be losing water through cores basically in that leaf, the needle shape, and oftentimes there's a waxy coating as well. They're going to help that leaf and that tree to retain water. There are going to be some periods throughout the winter, depending on the weather and where that tree is at, where those leaves are not carrying out photosynthesis. It's If it's below freezing and that tree doesn't have any access to water, if it's all frozen, that tree is basically in the same state that a deciduous tree is going to be in. But when able throughout the winter, weather uh, and circumstances allowing, those leaves can continue to uh, carry out photosynthesis longer than a deciduous tree uh, would be able to. Um, So I think those are the kind of important things to note when we talk about evergreen trees. They do lose their leaves. We all know this. Anybody who's ever walked through the woods and seen needles on the ground. Uh, So they lose their leaves, just not all at once. And they have certain adaptations that allow them to hang on to water and still be of use, I guess, to the tree (laughs) in a way, in a way that the leaves of the deciduous trees would not. Yeah. I think uh, two things there that I would have to add is uh, conifers typically drop maybe a third of their leaves around the fall time. So again, don't freak out Mm -hmm. if you're seeing a bunch of needle drop um, as long as like most of the tree looks okay their leaves actually last a couple years 
so they can shed them a little less frequently. But I think it's interesting because that leaf adaptation is kind of the same adaptation that wildlife that lives in colder habitats also take on where they reduce their surface area and compared to their volume. So that convergent evolution in a way that you might not normally be thinking about it, plants are doing a lot of the same things. Yeah. It's really interesting to see some of those parallels. Because quite honestly, until I sat down to put this episode together, I'd never really thought of a tree going into hibernation even the same way that an animal does. But that's, it's the same. Very similar. Principle of them more or less. So yeah, it's very interesting. Um, But those conifers aren't the only type of evergreen tree. We also got to think about our tropical and subtropical plants are typically considered evergreen as well. And there's a part of that just in the climates that they're living in, they don't have to, they don't have the same weather conditions that they have to deal with. So um, they don't have to have those same adaptations to survive. You will also see though, some other ways that these evergreen trees have adapted and their leaves are a little bit different. For example, this is just one of of several little things that I was reading about, but they tend to have thicker leaves and even um, even some that don't have needle shapes will sometimes still have that waxy coating. So I'm thinking like magnolia trees mm-hmm. as an example, that would be an evergreen that still kind of have that waxy coating on their leaves. Hollies. Hollies as well. Yep. Um, around here, we have a lot of live oak trees is, is what they're called. Um, and uh, and new trees. Yeah, they're everywhere. They're everywhere around here, man. So lots of different types of evergreen trees, not just our quote unquote Christmas trees that we think about. And I do want to mention as well, this kind of ties into thinking about tropical and subtropical plants is to mention then what fall is like in our warmer climates because I've joked on the podcast before about not having a fall down here and you see memes and things like that about you know fall in Florida what's that mean absolutely nothing or whatever but we actually do have fall we don't have that nobody's gonna travel down here to see the color change See Florida and it, looks slightly worse than normal. <laughs> like, is that no, what <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's so interesting. Okay, so shout out to my friend Kim. She's been shouted out on the podcast before, but she came up and ran the race with me this weekend as I was working on this podcast a little bit. And so we really started paying attention to all of the trees that were around at the resort that we were staying at. And well, neither of us are plant people. So we were using, had our different apps out and were identifying. We were literally, we were going on a walk and on the way out, we were just like, I don't know any of these trees. We started identifying all these trees. We had about 10 different types of trees, honestly, that we identified through these apps. And then the whole way, every time we were out, we were walking around, we were like, oh, that's, that's a longleaf pine. That's a magnolia. That's a sycamore. That's a live oak. Like we had a whole a whole like list of trees that we could now identify, which was really fun. And we were paying attention to the ones that were showing the color change, the ones that had leaves falling and the ones that are evergreen trees down here. Holly was one of the the ones that we saw, um, for example. So, uh, so that was really neat to see. And in part, 
it's because we see that here because that's what people want when they come to a tropical or subtropical area whether you're thinking about here whether you're thinking about going out you know to the other coast in california southern california you're gonna see they want the palms they They want want the palms yeah Yeah. yep they they want that green color year-round so when communities were being planned those are the types of plants that were being planted so you're gonna see that um but you will see those other trees as well that give you a little fall color but since we don't have as much of a temperature shift as as extreme of that temperature and light changes although the days you know do still get shorter and all of that uh, but it's uh, a less of an intense uh swap our leaves trees with leaves that do change tend to be later and it lasts longer too which was kind of my thing that i had always thought that i would notice leaves falling later on in the year and in my mind I was just like huh maybe that's just a tree that drops its leaves at this type of year but that's really just kind of how fall works here is those kind of light and temperature signals are uh, a little later it happens a little more slowly so whereas everybody else right now is getting to the point probably where you're past uh, your peak fall color uh, a lot of your trees might already have lost all of their leaves we're kind of just starting to see more of that leaf fall from our our deciduous trees down here so it was really really interesting for me to actually pay a little more attention to that and to start figuring out uh the the types of trees that i'm seeing around me too and which ones are actually going to lose their leaves and which ones are are going to stay green throughout the year too so this makes me happy because there's a phenomenon that I've read about called plant blindness, mm-hmm. <laughs> where basically like everyone kind of knows plants exist around them, but sometimes they're just such a part of the environment that we cease to really identify all the differences from them. And even me, like, so Andrew loves magnolia trees, like mm-hmm. is obsessed with them. And it's partially because they're really good, I guess, the leaves for reptile enclosures. I don't know what makes them super special. It's probably because <laughs> they don't degrade as easily because of that waxy coating. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'll get my, both my parents have magnolia trees and he will like go to their houses and, and gather them up. And my cousin and I were like, that's so weird. <laughs> and why, why do you like them so much? Why do people sell bags of magnolia trees? And it, it occurred to us that magnolia trees don't exist in Minnesota where he's from. And so they are a lot more site specific to us rather than just being a generic tree that they like don't exist in certain areas. They only exist within a certain range. And I think fall is the time of year that a lot more people start to realize like that tree is different. (laughs) That tree is a different color now rather than just like generic green across the spectrum. So I hope that like this fall being particularly spectacular around here that people are able to look a little bit more and see the differences. Yes, I agree. I'm so sorry. This is, I don't know if y'all can hear the barking in the background right now. This My dog is dreaming. Oh. That is what's happening right now. He's sleeping on the couch and he's barking in his sleep right now. So no. I apologize for that, but it's also adorable. <laughs> so yes, Casey, I think that that is really true. And I think it's a really nice side benefit of the trees losing their leaves. Like we said, that there are very real environmental 
reasons for trees to drop these leaves. There's, it, it is the circle of life. Those leaves are going to be good for other things. But yeah, I think that that process is eye-catching to people and maybe it's going to be that spark for some people to find a new appreciation for the plant life around them because trees we we keep saying it we'll do i mean this is kind of an episode on trees i guess but there's so much to to be said for trees and plant life in general that gets overlooked so yeah where you live is special like there's special things about where you live even if you don't get to see wildlife around and just like try and for a moment to conceptualize a tree as if it were like an animal because it has actually like we're, we've talked about a little bit some similarities with animals that you might not necessarily think but like you live near some hundred foot tall living beings it's not just like a building or a rock like something alive in your neighborhood is like 70 to 80 feet tall and it's awesome and you should go appreciate it yes oh man well we we basically already given you your challenges for the week (laughs) but stick around and we'll we'll give them to you officially All right, friends, thanks for joining us on this discussion of trees and fall and colors and leaves dying and why it happens. Uh, I actually really enjoyed creating this episode and it was really as somebody who has struggled with plants and feels overwhelmed by plants. I will tell you that creating that list of trees that I could now identify at least for those few days in that setting, I'll have to practice my skills now out in the real world. Um, But it was so satisfying and empowering weirdly and just really, uh, really fun to 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 do that and it did help me to grow my appreciation, I think, for the world around me. So challenge number one for the week, everybody can do this identify a tree near you. If you have trees that have all lost their leaves already, that's a little tougher. It's a little tougher to do right now, but see what you can do. Or perhaps you can find an evergreen tree near you, or perhaps you can find a deciduous tree that has not yet lost all of its leaves. Leaf shape and attachment pattern and all of that are, can be really helpful characteristics in identifying a tree. I just used, we were using Google Lens. I was using the Seek app. Uh, I think Kim had another plant identifying app that she looked up. So there's lots of technology out there that can help you. There's field guides, all kinds of stuff. But just see if you can start with one, identify one tree that calls to you uh, that, that you don't already know what it is. Everyone can do that one. Second one is the one that Casey mentioned earlier is leave the leaves. I know we've talked about this before. We talked about it way, way back when in our Slacker's Guide to Sustainability as just a chore that you can skip uh, is leave the leaves. Don't rake your leaves this fall. Don't worry about it. It's good stuff. If you are worried about it killing your lawn, which don't worry, just kill your lawn. It's fine. Uh, but if you're not ready to take that step yet, you can rake the leaves up just like around the base of the tree yeah. if you want to do it that way as a nice little compromise. Uh, but don't don't break out your 
gas-powered lawn equipment. Don't uh, throw them in a bag and throw them on the curb um, for them to go sit in a landfill somewhere. Leave them, leave them on the ground where they're going to do some good, providing some cover for some creatures and, and putting some good stuff back in the soil for us. Yeah, for example, Andrew did rake our backyard, but he raked it towards like a section in the back because we have a black walnut tree that are tripping hazards. And also mm. one time Ginger got stung by a bee when she stepped on a leaf and now she doesn't like to step <gasps> on big leaves. Poor so, <laughs> so we've kind of pushed them over to the side. But please, like I watched a neighbor gas power leaf blow all of his leaves into the street, which could be like. <laughs> It will clog your stormwater yes. system and increase your flooding risk. And also it's not good to drive on like a giant pile of leaves and just please don't do that either. <laughs> yeah. Keep them on the ground. Keep them around the trees. It's totally fine if you want to rake them up around the base of your trees uh, if you would like to do that or just do what I did and just leave them all on nothing. And take a picture of it and send it to us. Ah, uh, take send us your send us your full foliage, whether it's still on the trees or if it's on the ground, or if you identify a tree, yes. post it and tell us what kind of tree it is. I can't oh, remember yeah. if I took. I think I took some pictures of the ones we identified. I'll post some of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So all all kinds of fall fun here. Um, as we get deeper into the season. So thanks, Casey. Appreciate uh your plants. Uh, tips and uh, and expanded knowledge. That was great stuff I hadn't thought about. Oh, thanks for introducing new things like anthocyanins into my life. So <laughs> that's exciting. Sarah, if they want to send us our, their leaf photos or tell us about their favorite tree, where can they do that? They can find us everywhere on Facebook. We're a little greener podcast on Instagram. We are a little greener pod on Twitter. We are a greener podcast and you can email us at a little greener podcast at gmail.com. You can also find our newer episodes on YouTube if captions are helpful for you. They are auto-generated, so they might not be perfect, but hopefully better than nothing. I wonder what Murray's barking uh, <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> I'm not sure if it'll pick up anything for that, but we'll find out. <laughs> All right, Casey, it was a pleasure to get back into this with you. Thanks for chatting today. Thanks, Sarah. And thanks, listeners, for joining us for another podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.